If you don't spend a ton of time on TikTok, you might think it's all dance videos and lip syncing to movie quotes. But urban planning is actually going viral. This is Lancaster Boulevard in Lancaster, California in 2009. And here's the same street two years later. One lane on each side was left for cars to drive, and the middle Romblos here is set up for parking. But whenever they want to do a community event, they just clear out the parking. Here's the boulevard in Halloween. This project literally turned what was a five-lane highway into a hub for a community. That clip you just heard? It has over a million views on TikTok. It's from an account called Talking Cities, which is run by Paul Stout. He's an upcoming first-year master's student at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, where he'll soon be studying city and regional planning. But in the meantime, he's been teaching a lot of people about planning, especially TikTok's strongest demographic, teens and young adults. With over 150,000 followers and 3 million plus views on the platform, he's at the forefront of a growing digital urban planning community. We talked to Paul about how he got started, what he's got planned for the channel, and how TikTok can change the planning profession. I'm Lindsay Neiman, and you're listening to the APA Podcast. Let's get to the conversation. Paul, thanks so much for talking with us today. Really excited to have you here. Um, Let's just dig in. I want to hear about your background. So what are your connections to urban planning? Well, thank you for having me on. Um, My my kind of background to urban planning is a little bit, uh, I think, unconventional. Um, I I graduated um, Cal State Long Beach with a bachelor's degree in history, um, and I'm attending um, Cal Poly SLO this fall for a master's of city and regional planning. Um, but my background in, in like urban planning is, is kind of one where I didn't really realize, uh, it was a, um, a whole field until relatively recently. And as soon as I realized why <laughs> some of these things are as they are, uh, I, I just dove headfirst into it and have not looked back. Was that a pretty big motivation? in terms of you starting this channel and, and helping other people sort of get introduced to planning um, in a way that you hadn't been? To some degree, yes. The, the main thing that was interesting is, is I, I started the, the, the TikTok page as um, somewhat of just something for fun, right? Just to, to kind of talk about um, my likes and dislikes of various planning. But I realized quickly when my first video got over 80,000 views that there was actually some interest on this platform for it. Uh, and I, I quickly kind of like took stock of, of what it was and tried my best to actually, um, prepare like real urban planning content for people. Um, mainly because, uh, this was actually for a lot of people, their first introduction to urban planning, uh, just as, as a whole, as, as a topic. And I, I realized that it's not something that I was ever introduced. I, I was never introduced, um, to urban planning until recently. And, and because of that, once I gathered a somewhat of a platform, um, I quickly realized like, the value in this and that I could actually uh, introduce some people to this topic broadly. Especially, I would imagine, younger followers. I think that I saw that the demographics for TikTok tend to skew about 60% are between the ages of 16 and 24. So exposing high school kids to urban planning, which I know at APA, I hear a lot of planners talking about the necessity of that, especially in terms of helping to diversify the fields and having... um, you know, planners who look more like and have more experiences like the communities that they're working for. Um, so that that feels really special, I think. Totally. That's been, for me, one of the coolest things about this is that uh, the demographic is quite young. And I did my best to read the comments back when it was still like manageable to read all of them. And a lot of these people are, I, I would say, in between the ages of like 16 to 20, maybe. There's a lot of people who are 
about to enter university as well. I, I, I get a lot of DMs from people who uh, are looking for advice and how do you do this as a career? This is something I'm really interested in. And that's been uh, just an absolute privilege to get to answer some of those and, and tell people that urban planning, urban design, architecture, landscape architecture, all of these things are really, really exciting and that you can actually make a difference. I love that. So many young people realizing that they can actually um, have influence at some point or another over the places that they're living in. Yeah, totally. And that, that's one thing is um, there was one line from, I, I I read a bunch of books when I got into this, uh, just whatever I could get my hands on on planning. And there was a book called uh, A Pattern Language. And one of the things it said in the introduction is everything around us is design. And that really, really spoke to me because I, I realized like immediately, like everything that's around you has been intentionally designed by someone and that um, there's a lot of consequences to that, but uh, you can work to shape these things in a way that, that is better than how it is now. Absolutely. Well, let's, let's rewind a little bit and, and go back to your first video that you posted. You said that it got 80,000 views. Yeah. Was that surprising to you? Extremely. <laughs> so what was your thinking behind um, putting that first video on TikTok? You know, why TikTok? TikTok is a really interesting platform, mainly because it doesn't function like the other social media apps. Take Instagram, for example. What you see in your feed is the content from the people you follow. TikTok is entirely revolutionary in the way social media apps work because the main main method of displaying videos is something called the For You page. And the For You page displays content that the algorithm thinks you might like based on any number of factors, whether it's your likes or your watch time of various things. But it allows people who are interested in kind of tangential subjects to urban planning to actually see urban planning content or urban design content or architecture content or landscape architecture content. Um, and because of that, the reach is tremendous. Um, and that has like a number of benefits, but I think the main thing is that it's probably the most effective tool at introducing these topics to people who have no knowledge of them at all whatsoever. Yeah, that's great. It's uh, maybe not like the way that YouTube um, sort of operates where you're getting shown a lot of the same stuff that matches exactly what you've already watched before. Yeah. YouTube is trying to do something similar, but the thing is, is that you watch far fewer videos on YouTube. So the algorithm has a lot less time to work. If you watch enough YouTube, it can get pretty accurate. <laughs> but with TikTok, you know, just because the videos are so short, the sheer volume of videos, the algorithm has a ton of information to actually pick content for you that it thinks you might like. So the length of the videos are really an asset to TikTok, but urban planning, it seems like a lot of these topics would be pretty difficult to distill into that amount of time. Can you talk a little bit about how you managed to, to do that? Is it actually easier maybe than you would have thought? Are things actually a lot simpler than we think? It, it took a lot of practice to learn how to distill that because any number, any of the videos I've done, I think you could, you could have an entire college lecture on, you know, they're, they're just, they're so, such of deep course. topics. So how do you possibly introduce someone to something in, you know, 30 seconds or even a minute at most? It's, it, it's quite difficult, but I, I think that it's very good for an entry level topical beginning of the discussion. Uh, there's a lot of YouTube channels that, that have the, like the, the, the time to actually go into these, these topics in total depth or at least a lot more depth. And that's a, that's a pretty compelling platform for that. But, this is mainly, at least my use case for this is mainly to, to give someone a little 
little bite of information uh, in the hopes that they might investigate further on their own. Absolutely. So how do you decide what you want to cover? I haven't, you know, I think that I've seen evidence of your background in history in your videos. And I've also noticed that a lot of them sort of contain the same theme of moving away from car-centric to people-centric design. So out of all of the topics that fall under this giant umbrella of urban planning, how do you narrow it down to what you want your videos to be about? The thing is, is there's so many topics you can choose, it actually makes it somewhat difficult, right? Because truly, it's endless what we can discuss in in planning. Um, but I think mainly there's some themes I've I've kind of gone through um, that seem to resonate with people and people seem to find interesting, and that is that uh, there are alternatives to car-centric design. That's one thing. Um, and there's actually quite a lot of downsides to it. Uh, and as we approach all sorts of issues, car-centric design is, is I don't want to say it's the root of a lot of them, but it definitely plays a large factor in a lot of, a lot of the problems we have. Um, so showing people that, that there's an alternative to that, or at least in some way critiquing car-centric design might open some people's eyes to, it doesn't have to be this way. But there's other videos I've done too. Like I, I did one on uh, Claiborne Avenue in New Orleans, which I thought was quite interesting. I thought it was an interesting topic because not a lot of people know that one of the wealthiest Black-owned neighborhoods, um, business districts in the country, the oldest one, in fact, was completely demolished to build a freeway, as well as the the single longest stretch of oak trees in North America. It was really quite a vibrant downtown area that was completely destroyed. And you know, if you go there today, you just see the freeway. So uh, there's a lot of people who, who, who don't know some of that history. And that's where like kind of the intersection with history comes in, where I find it quite interesting to talk about some of these, these things that have happened in U.S. history, especially with planning. Absolutely. And I mean, that's a story that a lot of communities could tell a variation on that has really gotten lost to history for a lot of people. So you see TikTok as a way to kind of illuminate some of those missteps in planning history so that we can acknowledge them and learn from them and do them differently next time? I'd certainly hope so. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there are certain things that, that it, from the past are kind of unimaginable today. And, and, and a, good, a good example of this is the Embarcadero Freeway through San Francisco. San Francisco is one of, the, one of our most walkable neighborhoods or cities in the U.S. And you know, right along the waterfront, there used to be an absolutely massive freeway. And I, I, I did a small video on that and there was people in the comments who said, I've lived in San Francisco my whole life and I had no idea that this looked like this not too long ago. Um, so I think it's, I definitely think it's good to bring even like a surface level awareness of it. Obviously I'm limited in what I can talk about in um, the amount of time I have, but uh, even just beginning to to talk about some of these, these, these issues, I, I think is pretty productive. Absolutely. And, you know, connecting back to um, the age demographic of your audience, I think I've noticed talking to a lot of young planners that something that really drives their interest in planning is sort of justice. Do you find that sort of reflected in the feedback that you're getting from listeners and, you know, any colleagues that you talk to about these topics? Totally. And I, I definitely think that's one of the things that I think is coolest about this is that you know, if you look at the 20th century, planning was like a primarily male-dominated field. And my demographics for TikTok are majority female, um, which I think is pretty cool because if you can introduce more young people, uh, more young women to planning, I, I think that has a pretty big net benefit. I mean, you know, cities are built by the people who live in them. 
And the more voices and the more diversity you have in who's actually responsible for the planning process, the better this is going to turn out, right? Absolutely. So tell me about your account. What's the Talking Cities elevator pitch? Talking Cities is, an, is a brief introduction to architecture, urban design, and city planning. As simple as that. Yeah, just a brief introduction. That's all. You have a very distinct format in your videos. How did you land on that? Um, it's very low budget. <laughs> uh, it, actually, more like no budget. Um, basically, all it is is it's just using the, the green screen format on TikTok and putting some various image behind me. Um, oftentimes, I'll take it. Sometimes it's from Google Maps. Sometimes it's Creative Commons photos. It's really, really anything. But um, just kind of pointing to that and talking. And it seems to, it seems to work. And it's you're it, there's an interesting place on social media because you don't want to just do things that are popular. Um, you want to do things that are productive or the things you want to do. But there is actually utility in creating content that is, I don't want to say viral, but it's content that, that will perform well um, because it increases the reach. And if the goal is to provide a brief introduction to this, then it really actually matters to try to get this out to as many people as possible. And I, I think, you know, there are some times that I'll make a video 30 seconds instead of 45 seconds because shorter videos do better on TikTok. And while I could talk about this at, at length for obviously much longer than 30 or 45 seconds, um, there's utility in kind of producing like a bite-size uh, introduction to these topics because the videos perform well and then more people see them and the odds that someone sees it and gets interested in the topic as a whole um, is greater. Absolutely. And that's interesting because I think I just saw an article that um, TikTok was going to increase the like max time that a video can be, I think, to three minutes. So, so do you think that um, you will be taking advantage of that and going a little bit more into depth on some of these topics? You know, um, I've had access to the three-minute videos for a while now, and I, I still haven't used them just because, mainly because it's generally the shorter content that performs better. But also, you know, even in a 30 to 45 second video, I still do a fair amount of research and try to make sure everything's right. Just with working and everything else going on, it, it can be quite time consuming to, to make a three minute video. Um, so I, I think that that's partly one of the benefits of TikTok is that it's quite accessible to make a video. The, the barrier to, to creation is quite low. Um, and that's something that's quite convenient for anyone who's working or really anyone who like has limited time and wants to get their thoughts across. Absolutely. So are there any topics that you haven't covered yet that you're looking forward to digging into for your audience? Totally. Um, there's so many to think of. Uh, I, I want to talk more about um, some of the benefits of walkability. I, I'm, I'm big on that. Uh, there's lots of, lots of issues regarding towns that are very dependent on cars, right? So like, this is a good example. I, I was there not, not too long ago, but Telluride, Colorado is, um, I love that, that place. It's just fantastic. But obviously cars are quite important for people to get there, right? But they've done some cool stuff with um, traffic calming in like their downtown area, and they're small changes. But you know they have like little flower beds set up, and the speed limit is I think it's like seven and a half miles an hour. It's like very very low, right? Um, and people walk in the streets and ride bikes in the streets, and you know there's not a whole there's no threat of car traffic down there. So videos like that I, I think I find quite compelling. Something about like one specific small topic. So that's the thing. Just with the time constraints of TikTok, it's. You know, you couldn't do a whole video on the city of Telluride because there's just so much to talk about there. But, you know, you, you could talk about, I, I would, I would love to, to make a video talking about the traffic calming there 
or to talk about how the blocks are quite short and small because it really is a historic old downtown. And because of that, it feels very walkable. So there's a number of topics. I, I th- I'd also like to talk about more of the communities that have been destroyed or displaced by freeway construction. Um, that's a big one. I've done some videos on that before, but I, I would like to do more. I'd like to do more videos just kind of talking about cities broadly. There are some cities out there I think are really, really underrated and have all sorts of uh, awesome benefits and talk about them. Um, I'd like to talk about um, older cities too. I'm, I'm currently doing uh, you know a small little mini series on U.S. cities, but I want to do ones on um, international cities as well. So I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of working on that as I go. A lot of it, a lot of the videos kind of come out of inspiration from like what I'm reading at the time. So like, I will read something and then um, be like, I just have to talk about this. Um, you know, one thing is I was reading um, Street Fight by, I believe it's Jeanette Sadiq Khan. And some of the work that she's done is fantastic. But th- there's some great things to talk about with all of the, the traffic calming and kind of tactical urbanism that's been done in New York City because of her. Um, so a lot of this kind of arises naturally. Sometimes I'll just be in the shower and I'll think of something, right? Like it's, it's not as planned as I'd like it to be, but that's mainly because of time constraints. Like I have a little bit more time in between work and when I start grad school. So this, this month I'll be kind of working a lot more on this, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little haphazard at first, but I've only been doing it for a, a few months at this point. Um, so we will see where it goes. It's pretty incredible that you've only been doing it for a few months and you've got over 150,000 followers and what, over 3 million likes? Yeah, (laughs) something like that, yeah. Um, I think that speaks more to the interest is there, you know? Still, it must be wild to to just think so many people have, you know, been listening to you talk and seeing your face. (laughs) I've joked about that with some friends before. They've asked me, you know, does it feel weird to be perceived by that many people? And it's like, well, try not to think about it. <laughs> Especially at a time when I think a lot of people have been enjoying being not perceived. <laughs> totally. And a lot of these are quite low budget. So I've had, I've had videos where, you know, I didn't even fix my hair before I got a million views on it um, because I just wasn't planning on that. <laughs> have you been recognized by anyone out in the wild? Uh, yeah, I have. I, but that's also, I think that's due more to um, cert- being kind of in certain crowds of people. I was at... Um, someone's birthday party of an employee of cul-de-sac and he had some friends there and you know, we're all into urbanism at cul-de-sac and some people recognize me from there. Um, so it, it, it's happened. I, we'll see if it happens again. It's a little, it's still a little bizarre, you know, it's like, I'm glad you like the content. <laughs> um, you mentioned cul-de-sac. Let's talk a little bit about that. Um, so you've been working there in Tempe, Arizona. Yeah. Um, that's actually kind of a wild story because I actually got the job through TikTok. Um, I had kind of just made my TikTok page and, um, there was an intern there. I think she's like 17 too. So it fits the demographic, but, um, she saw my video on TikTok, messaged me. And then I wound up calling with Ryan Johnson, the CEO of cul-de-sac and we chatted for a bit. And then they made me a job offer later that week. And I moved, um, like within one business day, got out there and, um, started working for him. So what have you been doing? Um, been doing some urban planning and urban design work for him with the, the site in Tempe, but um, also a lot of marketing too. Um, they were looking for someone to run the TikTok and um, I was able to help them out with that. So that was nice. Um, but it's a fairly small team. So a lot of people do a lot of things. And so Cul-de-Sac is, it's, it's the first post-car real estate development company where 
the goal is to build car-free communities built from scratch. And we're doing that um, with this this site in Tempe, um, which is it's on 17 acres and it's going to house about a thousand people. It's actually a car-free community, so there is no no one in the uh, in the community is going to have uh, ownership of private vehicles, and we're gonna we're gonna help with that because there's a lot of uh, mobility options, right? From the light rail to e-bikes to rideshare to car share. Um, there, there's it it might be the right time for this um, because there's so many micro mobility options, and. Yeah, it's a pretty compelling project because when, when you free up parking, I mean, anyone that's done any design or architecture or landscape architecture work knows that you primarily work around the parking. You know, we, we, we won an award for the Congress of the New Urbanism and I, I produced a video for the award ceremony and, um, we were interviewing many of the people that worked on this project. And one of them was our landscape architect, Chris Floor. And she said that it was just incredible to get to work on cul-de-sac because for the first time in her career, she was able to, forget the parking and just design. So it's really cool. And, you know, it's twice the density of San Francisco and um, the streets can be somewhat narrow and walkable and it's, it's mixed use. Um, so there's all sorts of amenities and conveniences on site. It, it's a really, I, I'm, I'm really excited for it. I think it's a really compelling project. That sounds really cool. And it, it, it feels now as we've been going through the pandemic and sort of rethinking street design and repurposing spaces for better public use it's a it's a moment to harness um so i think that that's part of the reason that um so much of your content that is connected to rethinking car centric design is really resonating with so many people totally and that's for all the bad that the pandemic brought the one one of the things we did see is we did see how space is used in cities and being able to remove cars from certain downtown districts and make them into walk streets or open up dining area for restaurants, I think has been uh, pretty incredible. And the results of that have been pretty spectacular too. I've I've read various reports that have said that business is up. I mean, restaurants are making more money from this. And I think we're beginning to see that there actually is value in consumers that arrive in means other than the car. Um, and that perhaps... A parking spot is quite valuable for a business in terms of revenue generation, but maybe outdoor dining in that parking spot is more valuable. And, you know, I think a lot of the young people that are watching your videos who might not be able to drive yet or have access to their own vehicle, that's really important um, that, you know, transit options and also being able to have a space to go and meet up with some friends outside. Totally. And that's, you could get into a whole discussion about public space and how there's a lack of that and how some of these little parklets are providing much needed public space in lots of cities. But I, to your point, I, I do think that there's um, a lot of younger people who uh, don't want to drive or um, they just, for various reasons, they want to have the option to not have to. I mean, I've always thought that there's quite a lot of freedom in getting to choose your mobility option, right? Do you want to drive there? Do you want to walk there? Do you want to take the bus? Do you want to bike? It's, to me, that that's far more liberating than being confined to only using a car to get around. And you know, we can see this in trends where younger people are not getting licenses at the same rate. Um, so there's going to be need for transit options and for really kind of a redesign in certain cities to, to revolve more on people. And I definitely think that, that something as small as a, a parking spot turned into a parklet or a parking spot turned into outdoor dining might be just that little bite-sized test you need to, to prove the concept. I love that. 
Speaking of youth, it it seems like um, TikTok could present a real opportunity for you know planning departments and cities to um, better engage with youth. Do you see that as an opportunity um, that planners should be exploring? Absolutely. Um, I know that there is a there's a, a um, engineer, a civil engineer on TikTok by the name of Mr. Barricade, who um, he actually does a cool, a, a ton of fantastic um, content on civil engineering and specifically like quick build um, bicycle infrastructure projects. And um, he uses his TikTok as a massive platform for community engagement, for trying to teach people that um, you can not teach people, but really provide people the tools they need to to get out and um, advocate for change in their community, um, which, you know, anyone that's been to these community meetings knows that there's a, you know, when you're in wealthier communities, you have people that show up that are literate on the topics and they, they understand these things. And a lot of other underserved communities, um, it's, it's just not, it's not the same for them. And that needs to change because you need to have this kind of bottom up planning approach in a lot of places where, people in all communities are empowered to make the changes they want to see. Yeah, I've seen, um, like I know Charlotte, they did a TikTok challenge in conjunction with their um, comprehensive plan process that they've been working on for, I think, the past year, year and a half, as a means of trying to solicit more input from youth. How do you think that gaining that sort of access to this demographic could change planning? (laughs) I actually had no idea about that. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, that is that is too cool. Um, I think that um, young people obviously have um, different needs. I think all sorts of people have different needs in, in a city. And perhaps we have historically been underrepresenting younger voices in these discussions, right? Because if you're in high school, you can't go to community meetings or maybe maybe you don't even know what urban planning is, right? So or you don't know there are community meetings to go to. Um, so I definitely think that there's there's a lot of benefit in like bringing in these voices of younger people. And that we may see a lot of the change that we're seeing now, or that maybe there's a bit more public space to go hang out in. This is kind of tangentially related, but I, I, I've known a lot of people who grew up in other countries and primarily countries like countries in Western Europe a lot. And they didn't have the same experience of kind of hanging out in cars, which is something that like, I mean, I grew up in Los Angeles. I know me and my friends, we hung out in cars and I now think back to that and think, well, maybe we were doing that because there's a lack of public space for us to go spend time in. Um, because people that live in countries or grew up in countries where there's a lot more access to public space didn't seem to have that same experience. What's the message that you think planners need to hear about TikTok and the opportunities that this platform provides? I think it it provides the opportunity to connect with more people than ever before. And certainly a more diverse range of people than ever before, whether that be um, by age or by gender or by race or by where you live. Um, and I think there's tremendous power in that um, from a planning perspective. And what's the message you'd give to planning agencies who maybe aren't sure about TikTok but want to beef up their community engagement tactics a little? I mean, th- there are times, you know, I, I'm uncertain as to how to approach this because I, I don't want to provide like advice so much since, you know, I am, I am just an incoming grad student. I'm, I'm just beginning to learn about so much of this stuff. But there's a lot of value in trying to reach as many people as possible. And I think that something that is very compelling from a planning perspective um, is to show people just what the city can be, how great something can be. And whether or not it's a, it's a simple pilot program where you close down a street for a farmer's market, 
right? And give just a little taste of what walkability would be like. Um, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of cool things you can do that are, um, immediate and on the ground, very kind of tactical urbanism things. But I, I think a lot of that stuff really resonates with people because they, they can begin to see, um, what change really looks like and how, like, there's actually a lot of benefits to it. And obviously change is scary and there's a lot of, um, there can be a lot of holdup against permanent changes, but sometimes some of these quick build stuff or maybe on the weekend, you know, this is a, this is a walk street or some, something like that, right. Um, can begin to expose people that interact with those parts of the city um, as to the benefits of a little bit of change. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for talking with us today. Let's close it out by uh, telling everyone where we can find you online. Uh, you can find me on TikTok at Talking Cities. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the American Planning Association podcast. If you're enjoying the show, why not rate and review us on iTunes? And don't forget to subscribe at Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. 